the strength to move mountains, and the beauty to melt hearts. Coming up next on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Well, you people must have this down, this downloading thing, this pressing the appropriate button on a website to listen to the podcast, because you're back. Here you are again, listening to the latest episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast, and I'm very appreciative of that. Matthew is my name, here in the air-conditioned confines of the basement lair. It is a little chilly down here, but very hot outside. I'm staring up at my glass block windows. There's lots of sun. There's lots of blue sky. I know that it's very hot because I just returned from my post-lunch walk, and I really don't need glass block windows to tell me that it's pretty warm. But this is what we've come to expect at this time of the year, right? Uh, My wonderful wife likes to complain eh, a little more than normal about the heat, but I often say to her, listen, we're walking uh, Izzy, and we could very well be doing that in 28-degree weather, sidestepping little you know chunks of ice on the sidewalk. So if you'd prefer that, we'll go back to that. And of course, she says, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm perfectly good. Um, so this, these, this is the hand that we've been dealt weather-wise. I mean, I find no need to complain about it. I'm going to suck it up, soak it up, enjoy it because this is the time of the year for it as we embark on football training camp and whether baseball will finish a season and what will high school sports look like. We'll find out probably early next week as our governor here in the Buckeye State will make his pronouncement. Why he hasn't made that already, I'm not sure, but we're just going with the flow like everybody else is kind of going with the flow. So, We are back from a very short but very filled and very emotional excursion to St. Louis, uh, a trip that I will go into a little more detail with here in just a little bit. But also, here's hoping that you are healthy and safe. I feel pretty good, but like I said, sometimes when you go to an airport and you travel in a metal container with a bunch of other people that you don't know, you sometimes wonder, have I protected myself efficiently and effectively? We donned face masks, as is the requirement. We also got a face shield to go on top of that. That's a very strange experience. It made reading my downloaded book from the library on the iPad relatively impossible. So I really kind of spent the time staring out the window on the part of the trip where I had the window seat and Donna did not. And it was just one of those situations where we had rubber gloves on. We were careful not to touch surfaces. And, you know, you just go with the best of intentions. You do what you're supposed to do and you hope for the best. And we're not unlike any other American or anybody else in the world, really, who is confronting this ridiculous and stupid disease. And so we're just going to hope that we don't contract anything. And even worse, that we don't pass it on to anybody else, which explains why I've been outside of my parents' apartment now for almost a month and haven't gone in to see them. So I'll let a couple more weeks pass to make sure that I have done my own kind of unofficial 14-day quarantine. And uh, then perhaps I'll go back to visit them. But we are back. And so far, so far, fingers crossed, 
knocking on wood, that's my wood desk in front of me, that we are safe. But there is certainly a lot of uncertainty in the world and on the globe. Things just seem topsy-turvy. They seem upside down, inside out. And we are, at some point, I believe, at our own level, really powerless to do anything but follow the guidelines and hopefully get out of this. So this is not a political podcast. I'll say that we have been doing our part and will continue to try our very best to do our part. And it would be nice if everybody would cooperate and kind of go along with the flow as well. And then, you know, once this is gone, we can sit down with a beer and we can argue about it, about whether what we did was correct or incorrect. But I think if we all got on the same train and moved in the same direction, we would be, I think, a lot further than we are. So to a certain extent, I believe we are the cause of our own demise. When my twin brother Mark and I were grade schoolers at St. Peter's and we were entering the seventh grade, our teacher was a new teacher and one of the many Sisters of Notre Dame who taught at St. Peter's School. And the Sisters of Notre Dame were characterized by their kind of penguin look, (laughs) I guess. They wore black and they wore black veils. And to a certain extent, or at least early, the early years, that that veil kind of curved into an arc on the top of their head rather than sort of laying flat. And in the front, from the top of the arc down to the tops of their eyebrows, was sort of a, a white piece of cardboard or something that held the veil on. And that's what characterized the Sisters of Notre Dame. And even completely dressed in black with rosary beads tied around her waist and that piece of white thing on her forehead. Sister Mary Dorothy, at least to me at that time, was very, very attractive. And uh, I don't think it was a sexual thing necessarily, but I certainly was attracted by her. And not only just her lovely face, but I really was attracted by her mind. And I really, I was attracted by her approach to things. And I bring up Sister Mary Dorothy because she really was a tremendous influence to me, on me, during those years, 7th grade and 8th grade at St. Peter before I went to high school. I can remember her talking about her growing up years, and she would say to us, have you ever gotten mad with God? And we would look at each other and say, get mad at God? What, are you kidding? Do we want a lightning bolt to come down and strike us? That's not going to happen. And she would say, listen, you have to talk to God as a regular person. God is in a relationship with you, and you're in a relationship with God. So if you're happy, tell God, I'm so happy today. Thank you for everything that you've given me. And if you're angry with God, you should be able to say, God, I'm very upset and I'm very angry. I did not like what you did. I want you to stop this immediately. And really, I was enraged with excitement over Sister Mary Dorothy. I just thought that she was completely transforming my outlook on theology, on religion, on spirituality. One day she asked us, 
What kind of strength do you think you have? What kind of inner strength do you think you have? And at the time, of course, I didn't really know what inner strength meant. All I knew is that I was required to lift a certain amount of weights if I wanted to continue to be on the football team at St. Peter. But inner strength? Eh, I wasn't really so sure about that. And she shared a story with us, basically, where a man was working on his car. And he was underneath the car. And somehow the jacks or the blocks that the wheels were up, one of the wheels fell off and it trapped the man underneath his car with his wrench in his hand. And an older son was walking outside and heard his father's screams and knew that there was no way that he could actually pull his dad out from under the car. So he went to the front of the car and he lifted up the front end of the car so that his dad could roll out from under it and thereby saving his life. And we all looked at each other and said, can somebody lift up a car? How is that even possible? And Sister Mary Dorothy said, there are times in this life where you will seek reserves of strength that you never knew you had. There are times in this life where you will seek inner reserves of strength that you never knew you had. We traveled to St. Louis to essentially say goodbye to our granddaughter, Mally. And it was a trip that we both were dreading to make. We had just been to St. Louis at the end of May. And we spent a good amount of time with her in a very lucid state. And although in a great deal of pain, we all looked at that situation as one where, you know, there's still hope that her cancer is going to go back into remission and that the new chemo drugs that she is experiencing will hopefully have an effect and a long-term effect. But it didn't take very long this summer for things to take a turn for the worse. And so when we were notified that her latest MRI did not look very good and that it was her wish to be taken off any kind of new or any chemotherapy and that she just wanted to live the rest of her days then we knew a trip like this was ultimately inevitable. And the death of Mally Royer is something that we're all coming to grips with. Because as anybody who has tried to prepare for something that is inevitable, you have a vision of what that's going to be, and then the reality presents itself, 
and you realize how ill-equipped you were in trying to prepare for it. In fact, I would go as far as to say that our mental and spiritual preparation for her death was not even in the same ballpark. I wish our trip this week would have included more of a chance to converse with her and spend time with her in a lucid state. I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for her current state. Basically, sleeping, occasionally moaning because of the pain, pressing buttons to release medication to help alleviate the pain, and to put her back in a sleep state. That I wasn't mentally prepared for. So I had a good amount of time to talk with her and to speak to her and a good amount of time to think back on her life and what her life means and what her life has meant and look around the room and think about everything that her family has had to endure right along with her and the strength that it took and the strength that it takes. And I thought a lot about Sister Mary Dorothy and the words of Sister Mary Dorothy because I spent a lot of time sitting in that chair next to her being angry with God and my interpretation of what God is. But the other almost, yes, catastrophic, but almost bizarre event that took place a day before Mally died is that her dog Snuffy died. Snuffy, who spent almost all of time in, in Mally's room, cuddling up to her, walking around her on the bed, sometimes walking on her on the bed, wondering what was going on what was wrong with Mally? And in an almost freak accident, died drowning in a hot tub. I mean, this dog's death was earth-shattering to Megan, Mally's older sister. And had Mally been lucid enough to experience it as well, absolutely would have crushed her too. In flying back on the plane, I thought to myself, did Snuffy go a day ahead of her just to be able to welcome her? And was God responsible for that? Mally was a photographer and a very good one. In the room where she stayed at her mom's house, she had numerous examples of her work. And some of those examples mirrored her feed on Instagram. It was interesting, and always is interesting, to see a fellow photographer's work. We call it compositing the shot. And when you composite the shot, it's 
your view of life through that viewfinder. And when you click that shutter, you feel it necessary to capture that instantaneous moment. It means something to you. It provides purpose for you. And yes, we all want people to appreciate our work because as creatives, that's what we enjoy. But the moment that shutter clicks, we're telling the people around us, this is something I feel is important and I want to capture an image of it and save it. And really, if you think about it, we're all photographers because our life is really a series of snapshots. I mean, we can go on a week's vacation, but we don't remember a week's worth of vacations. Oh, sure, we might try to remember what we did on Tuesday and we may recount what took us to a certain place, what took us to that place, then we did this and then we did that. But those are not the, really the reasons we remember. And really, those are not the items that we remember about a vacation. We remember certain instances that provide importance for us. The things that stand out. The things that provide meaning and purpose the one, two, or three things, maybe, that you remember about that week that all of a sudden get lodged into your memory banks. And those are the things that stand out in that week. We did a number of things in 2016 when we went to Colorado. But what I'll remember most is standing on the grass outside of a library the first night there, listening to some guy play acoustic guitar. People sat around, some brought wine and stretched out a blanket on the grass. We happened to walk by very much by accident. And we went back and sat on a small bench. And there was just something about that event, something about the air being still, the sun shining just the right way, the sound picture perfect, those red mountains in the background. Everything seemed right. And it's that particular thing that I'll remember about the Colorado vacation. It's that particular snapshot that I'll remember. So I have many memories of Mally. I have, I have a number of snapshots of her. But when I look through her lens, I think indomitable spirit. Spirit that cannot be defeated. Spirit that cannot be beaten. I think of someone goofy and eccentric. I think sometimes of someone who had a bit of hard-headedness. I remember when we lived in Illinois and Donna would invite Megan and Mally over to do crafts in the basement and Donna had a plan and she thought it best from an artistic standpoint for the girls to follow the plan so that when it was time for them to go home that they would have something finished and they would enjoy it. 
And I just recall ambling down the stairs with a beer in my hand, wondering what the girls were up to. And sometimes remembering Mally was just going to kind of do it her own way. This is what she wanted to walk away with. And over the past several years, what I'll mostly see through her camera lens is just the absolute persistence and the absolute grit that you would have to have in order to get through what she had to get through. I wonder if I could have done it. I wonder if I could have done what she did in the videos that her dad would send to us. Hours on end of marching up and down with manacles on her legs and fake shoes that acted as leg supports and trying to teach herself to walk again when cancer was invading her back and being fatigued after each session being fatigued at just showing everybody later on how much progress she had made and I thought could I do that would I have the strength to do that would I have the grit to do that We think we would, but would we? Would we have that reserve strength that Sister Mary Dorothy talked about? And she did have it. She had it. And I don't know that I do. I don't know how you make a appeal to the Vatican, but as far as I know, there's not a St. Mally. There is a St. Madeleine. St. Madeleine Sophie Barat, to be precise. St. Madeleine Sophie Barat was a French saint who was instrumental in founding the Society of the Sacred Heart. And St. Madeleine Sophie Barat said, quote, be humble Be simple, bring joy to others. I don't know if Mally would be considered to be simple because she was a pretty eclectic person. She had many interests and she wasn't shy about talking about them. But she certainly brought joy to others. She certainly brought joy to everyone that she encountered. I found it interesting while sitting next to her bed that (laughs) at one point she was draped in a Grateful Dead blanket and I was this close to taking a photo of it. And as Mally would probably admit, when you're a photographer, you want to take a photo of everything. You want to capture anything that you could composite through your viewfinder. 
that you can save and savor and maybe augment later or find an interesting use for or merely just to scroll through a feed and admire your work, even if nobody else will admire it. And I wanted very much to take that picture because to me, she really days from passing on to the next life would be one of the few people who would truly appreciate being wrapped in a grateful dead blanket. Clearly, daddy brought his girls up the right way because if the girls listen to the Grateful Dead, then that's pretty damn cool. I've thought a number of times about the son lifting the front of the car so that his dad could roll out from under it and save his own life. And I've tried to think about how many times that Mally's dad, Preston, and his wife, Jenny, and Mally's mom, Stacy, have probably thought about how can I save this girl? What can I do to put myself in her place? What can I do to lessen the pain? What can I do to take away the pain permanently? Is there any place that we can take her? Is there any other doctor who will see her? Is there any other experimental treatment that can work in her favor? Is there anything that will prevent this seemingly uncompassionate God to stop this from happening. And for myself, I know that that strength is maybe lodged somewhere deep in me, but that is a level of strength that I may never know. It's a level of strength that can only come from somewhere else. A level of strength that, when summoned, probably almost seems otherworldly. And I guess my message to the family is your ability to find the strength to cope has already been tested way more than most people ever experience in their whole life. And that that level of strength should be and can be counted on to help deal with the travesty and the grief associated with the death of Mally Royer. Nobody can say any words to offer any relief from this. And everybody deals with this in a different way. Some don't want to talk about it. Others enjoy talking about it. They need to. 
Some like to watch videos or movies of other people dealing with it. It helps them. Some want to stay as far away from that as possible. Sometimes a quote from someone who has also experienced this can be helpful. For others, it's a burden. For others, it's trite. That has no bearing on how they approach dealing with this level of grief. Today in my post-lunch walk, I, I was on my usual route. When I was accosted by a butterfly, and the butterfly hung around for a while. The butterfly circled me, and went off, and then it came back, and then it circled me again. Like Mally, Donna's mom loved butterflies. In fact, I think just about everything she owned included a butterfly. And she would often say, when we were out and about somewhere, and a butterfly would wander by, she would say, there's mom, hi mom. And I thought, you know what? That butterfly may have been her mom, telling me to tell everybody else that it's all good. I'm seeing Mally right now, and she's great, and she's not feeling any pain at all, absolutely zero. Or it could have been Mally playing a cruel joke on me because the butterfly actually exhibited the most beautiful Pittsburgh Steelers colors that you could possibly exhibit. (laughs) Saying, ha ha, I don't have brown and orange. This is the best I got. Isn't it pretty? And it was pretty. For Pittsburgh Steelers colors. So could a God allow this to happen? It's fodder for another discussion. How any loving, caring, emotional deity could have allowed this process to happen is beyond belief. Beyond belief from the standpoint that a child dying before their parents is enough of a travesty. But this journey didn't just start. This journey started years ago. Years of pain and torture and waiting for results and going through therapy and going through tests and finally coming to the conclusion that This just isn't the way to live. My beliefs really don't matter. And they're not going to offer any solace. In fact, I wonder if any of us can really offer any solace except for time. Time is the great equalizer. Time simply cannot be adjusted. As I discover... In simple meditation, I can't hurry up and meditate. I can't hurry up and sit zazen. Those 15 minutes are those 15 minutes, and there's nothing to do about them but sit. 
And in the same way, the passing of time to help alleviate grief and mourning is simply something that just has to happen. I have no magic words, no magic elixir. I have no quote. I have no trite expression. There's no prayer that I can offer. There's no phone call that I can make. There's only so many ways that you can try to take someone's mind off it. And in the end, it's not going to work. Only time will work. And time is cruel. But time is the salve. And time allows us time to reflect. Time allows us a way to see things that we may not have seen it a month ago. And eventually, hopefully, perhaps even with the help of others, eventually, we make our peace with time and we make our peace with death. And although we realize that death is a part of life, and while it may not offer solace and healing at the time, we know that eventually time soothes eventually. So I want to say to Mally's family, I want to say some great thing. I want to post some great phrase. I want to take a great photo and post it to Instagram with this luxurious saying that's just going to help get them over the hump in these early days. That's what I want to do. I want to say something really critical and crucial on this podcast. And maybe somebody will listen, whether it's them or somebody else going through something similar. I tried to come up with something to tell myself when my uncle Bugs just died or my cousin Champy just died and all of the horrible things that go along with deaths of relatives. And I can't find anything to get me over the hump. There's just no literal way to do that. If somebody can, I would, I would seek out their guidance. I want to do that, but I know that I can't. But I did come across a phrase from someone whom I think Mally would probably have really liked. Her name is Yumi Sakugawa. And <laughs> she's a comic artist. And she is very colorful. And she has lots of colors in her hair. And she reminds me of that Grateful Dead blanket with its multiple colors. And just its vivaciousness and eclectic nature, which is exactly like Mally. And who knows, maybe Mally followed Yumi Sakugawa on Instagram or Twitter. I, I don't know. Or TikTok or whatever. But Yumi Sakugawa's quote was, 
sometimes it's okay if the only thing you do today is breathe. Sometimes it's okay if the only thing you do today is breathe. And I can't think of anything better than that. You can follow Mally's Instagram feed at Mally.Royer and take a look at all of her photos and all of her pictures. Some of the things that made up the wonderful, beautiful life that she gave all of us. So today, just breathe. It's okay. It's okay. In fact, it may be the best way to spend the day. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast.